0: Well, good morning. And good evening. Now, you might wonder why I said good evening. Well, uh, today is the first day of, uh, junior camp out at Camp Koinonia over in Sweet Home, our fourth through sixth grade camp. And, uh, I'm the director of that camp and many of our, our, uh, our people here at Southside, uh, t- uh, council out there at Camp Koinonia this week. And so for our evening service this week, uh, I'll be gone. And so for those of you who are watching up there on the videotape this evening, uh, I'd like to welcome you as well. So uh, um, welcome to all of you here right now and all of those who will be here this evening for our, our third service and get to see the message by video. Well, about... Um, about what would it be? About 22 years ago, 22 years ago or so, uh, I had just graduated high school, and uh, I was pretty involved in in a church youth group, and and we uh, went up each summer to Vancouver, Washington, to a, a music festival, well, a Christian music festival called Jesus Northwest. And uh, while we were there, uh, there was a time of worship. In the morning and in the evening, that we really really enjoyed, and there was a worship leader there. His name was Mike Devito. He was a youth pastor that also led worship from time to time, and uh, we we really enjoyed uh, his worship leading as uh, as uh, high school kids. And and so um, my friend Eric and I we actually approached Mike one day and just told him that we really enjoyed uh, his leading, and and uh, we'd come several years, and and it was one of the highlights of our trip each year and we got his phone number actually and and a few months later we called him up and we asked him if he'd be willing to come and speak at our youth group and come down and kind of hang out with us and and we uh, he he said he would in fact he said he'd come and he'd stay a whole week if we wanted him to to uh to do some other things as well and so my friend Eric who was 15 at the time and I was 17 at the time we got a crazy idea we decided that we were going to uh put on a youth rally you know, week long youth rally like they used to do back in the olden days, right? And so we, uh, we sent out hundreds of letters, uh, to Southside, who didn't come, by the way, um, just saying. Uh, but we sent out hundreds—I think 200—letters to the youth groups and churches around uh, the, the area. Here, uh, we coordinated with several churches over in Sweet Home, and we borrowed pieces of sound equipment, and, and we put together a band, and we invited uh, Christian bands that were local to come and play each night. And it was—it was a blast. We had a great time. Michael came up, and he spent the week with us, and and he spoke out at East Lynn during the week, and and it was—it was—it uh, was amazing. And, as a 17-year-old and a 17 year old and a 15 year old, uh, we, we really enjoyed ourselves that week. We felt pretty important. Uh, but it really, looking back on it, it, was pretty remarkable. The effort that we went to. And, you know, it wasn't the, uh, the greatest thing that ever happened. But for us, it was pretty significant. And one of the things that took place that week that was most significant, what well, took place about Thursday, uh, during that, uh, that week. During, on Thursday, we were sitting with Mike DeVito. I think we were having lunch or something like that. And, and he said, you know what, you two, I'm talking to Eric and myself, he said, you two are dreamers. He goes, you know how few kids that are 15 and 17 will put on all by themselves a whole youth rally. I paid for most of it out of my own bank account. You know, it was, it was tough, right? I, I worked at Safeway at the time. But he was. He said, you know what, you guys are dreamers. And he goes, I want you to to never lose that aspect of, of who you are. Pursue your dreams. Make them happen. Because you guys could have a mighty impact for the kingdom of God if you always dream big dreams. And I remember that. I remember sitting there. I remember hearing those words, uh, pretty much word for word, what I just mentioned to you. And as a 17-year-old, I don't think I'd ever had anybody tell me, that I could make an impact on the kingdom of heaven. And that motivated me. That that moved me. That, that uh, encouraged me so greatly that I shortly after that applied to go to Bible college. And that was one of the defining moments in my life that led me into ministry. Now a couple months later, about six to eight months later, I can't remember exactly, but uh, I ended up at Bible college. And while I was at Bible college, they had a local group of youth ministers. And so uh, I was there to study youth ministry, and so uh, my, my friend Eric and I, I guess it was a couple years later because we were both there, uh, but anyways, we we decided that we would like to do something like what we did uh, at our youth rally over in Boise. We had some connections to Mike and other people, and so we visited with this group of youth pastors, and these guys were had been in the ministry for a lot of years. They, they were experienced youth pastors from about eight, ten different churches over in Boise. And so we shared our dream. And we told them what we had done in Sweet Home and how many people would come and, and all the planning and all the things that we'd like to do. And they, uh, they sat there and they listened to us. And, uh, when we got down, done, they said, well, what church are you serving at? And we said, well, we just got here. We're, we're not plugged into a church yet. Well, until you start serving in a church, maybe you should, uh, think about what you're doing because, uh, we don't really need you guys doing something like this. Well, I walked away from that meeting devastated, to be completely honest. I'm a words of affirmation is my love language, if you've ever studied those. And so that was just like a punch in the stomach. And ultimately, uh, I uh, did not go into youth ministry. I found a place in children's ministry, which I believe God was leading me there. So it worked out fine. But I can tell you that that tainted my view of youth ministry, those discouraging words. Uh, Mike had built me up and, and started me on the path, but it very easily at that moment, could have been derailed by the discouraging words of those youth pastors. And it was a difficult time. Luckily, one of those youth pastors came alongside us and said, you know what, don't listen to the rest of those guys. You guys, you keep dreaming. You keep pushing for ministry. And if you want to do this, come on out to my church and and we'll make it happen. It didn't. We we went different ways in ministry, but uh, someone saved the day there. Well, today we're going to read a passage of scripture that relates to this idea of the words that we say to people and the power that they have, whether that be the power to motivate and encourage or the, the, the power really to derail someone's life and discourage them. So let's read this uh, passage that we've been reading, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Today, as we pick up our This Not That sermon series, we're, again, examining the things that we need to put off, our old way of life that that predates our relationship with Jesus, and the things that we need to be known for instead, the things that we need to put on as we follow uh, Christ our Savior. Today our focus is on verse 29. You might have caught that as I read it, which says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, we're going to read this verse quite a few times today. And actually, we're going to start off by reading this about four or five different times in the different translations. Some of my favorite translations, I've decided we're just going to read this verse, and we're going to see how these different translations uh, put it. So let's start off. Again, we're going to reread the NIV. The New International Version says it like this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, New Living Translation. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. English Standard Version, ESV. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. New American Standard. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And finally, King James Version. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Okay, I like this uh, looking at this from a little different perspective because sometimes we get maybe you memorize a verse in a certain a certain translation and you get used to the, the flow, the wording. And sometimes you can maybe miss a, a thought, a, a greater thought that's being shared. So uh, first off, let's look at the uh, first part of this verse, which says in the NIV, do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So in that translation, those translations, there's unwholesome talk. There's foul or abusive language, uh, corrupting talk, unwholesome word, or corrupt communication. Okay, quite a variety of, of ways to express that same idea. The Greek word that we find in this passage for corrupt or unwholesome or foul talk is the Greek word sapros, S-A-P-R-O-S, which is only used in one other context within the New Testament. And that's found in the book of Luke and in the, in the book of Matthew. In the book of Luke, it's chapter 6. Uh, Verses 43 through 45, and we'll read those for you. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor nor do they gather grapes from the bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Okay, so that verse contains this Greek word sapros when it says a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Okay, sapros is also translated here bad fruit. So it's saying don't let rotten, corrupt, uh, gross words right come out of your mouth. Just like you wouldn't put a rotten apple into your mouth, don't let rotten words come out of your mouth. Let no unwholesome talk, no evil talk, no talk that tears other people down. Come out of your mouth. The image in Paul's mind as he's writing here is one of rottenness and decay and something that's spoiled. That's not the type of thing that we want in our mouth. So why is it that we fall victim so often to producing bad fruit out of our mouth? Why is it that so often we fall victim to tearing others down, discouraging them so often? Well, I believe that it's because it's a lot easier to do other things. It's not easy uh, for those things naturally to come out of our mouth, good things to come out of our mouth. It's a whole lot easier for other things to happen. For example, it's easier to assume the worst about somebody than it is to assume the best. Okay, and what do I mean by that? Well, I can tell you that as a pastor, I have a lot of opportunities to be offended. Okay, I have a lot of opportunities. It just happens almost on a daily basis. You would think that as a pastor, you don't have to deal with that, right? Nope, because people are pretty free with their ideas and opinions and critiques and concerns and complaints and, and the like. And there's an opportunity around every corner uh, for an offense. And you know what? Uh, frustration happens a lot. And it's easy in those moments to assume that the other person meant to hurt or offend or frustrate you. And so the desire is to strike back, right? It's to lash out, to vent my hurts, my offense uh, my frustration to, to other people, to my wife, to my friends. And it's really easy in those moments to allow pride to get in the way. How dare they say that to me? How dare they do that to me? How dare they have that opinion? How dare they think that about me? It's a lot more difficult to step back and consider what the other person is going through. And to consider the uh, other person with an attitude of love and grace and forgiveness. Yet that's what we're supposed to do. Right? When someone offends us, when someone hurts us, what is the attitude of our heart? It should be forgiveness and grace and mercy. But that means working at it. And I don't want to. But that's what God did for you through Christ. You offended him. You hurt him in your sin. And yet what did he do? He still gave you grace and mercy anyways. It means working. It means actively putting on that new self and tearing away the old self and its old ways of life, which is to strike back and to hurt people with our words. It's easier to assume the worst about someone than it is to think uh, positively. Another thing it's easier to do is that it's easier to tear people down than it is to build them up. Right? Would you agree? It's easier to tear someone down because uh, maybe we're just venting, right? We're just venting. Uh, I've, I've had this with my wife all the time. I'm just venting. And so she, then she reprimands me for venting. And it's frustrating. Just listen. You don't need to reply, right? But it's unhealthy for me. Right? it's not healthy for me to vent. You know, maybe sometimes we think we're just giving constructive criticism. Maybe it's wrapped up in a package that looks a whole lot like concern. Or maybe it's just gossip. Whatever you call it, it's, it's wrong. Tearing others down is wrong. It doesn't matter if you're just venting. right? It doesn't matter if no one else will hear. Tearing others down is wrong. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, it said, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Sometimes uh, if my wife followed through with that one, she, we wouldn't be talking very much, right? Don't associate with someone who tears other people down. Don't associate with a gossip. Tell you what, those are words to live by. You don't feel gossip is a problem? You don't think that's an issue? Well, let me tell you about what happened to Treva the other day. Oh, did that get your attention? (laughs) Exactly. When we hear those words, we want to listen, right? Please tell me what happened to Treva, right? Oh, I hope hope she's okay let me know so i can pray for her right okay it's so tantalizing to gossip don't associate with a gossip if your words are belittling someone if your words are spreading the misfortune of another if slanderous content about someone uh, is exiting your lips if you're tearing someone down even if they aren't in the room even if they will never know you're the type of person that the bible's warning other people not to talk to this isn't fun to talk about, right? But this is God's word speaking. Don't associate with a gossip. It feels good to be in the know. But don't associate with a gossip. It's much harder to build someone up. It's much harder to, to pay that person compliments when they can't hear. We want to talk about them, not encourage them, even if they're not there. It's nowhere near as interesting to encourage someone behind their back than it is to tear them down. It does nothing for your own pride, it doesn't make you the highlight of the story. Well, but maybe that's the point. We aren't the highlight of the story. At least we shouldn't be. And that's why I believe that there are verses like Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen, that tell us to serve one another humbly in love. Or Colossians three thirteen, forgive one another. Or Ephesians four thirty two, be kind and compassionate to one another. And it's not just talking about to their face. Right? Don't associate with the gossip. Don't tear other people down. Build them up. Here's another thing it's easier to do. It's easier to judge someone than it is to provide grace. Right? It's easier to judge than to give grace. You know, if you have an issue with someone, maybe a concern, maybe it's a complaint or a criticism, a critique, what is the most appropriate thing to do? Is it to voice that issue with the people around you? Is it to sit on a judgmental pedestal and declare your verdict of guilt? Is it maybe just to keep the issue to yourself? It's no big deal. I'll just keep it inside me. Maybe I'll even bury it down deep and it'll never come back again, right? Right. It never comes back, right? Hold on to that grudge until that person comes begging for forgiveness. Is that what's appropriate to do? It's not the way we're expected to handle our business. Yet how often as Christ followers do we do just that? Scripture tells us to speak face to face with a person that we have an issue with. It's much easier to judge someone that you aren't looking at eye to eye. And it's a whole lot easier to give grace to someone when you're face to face. I'd encourage you to write these verses down. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. Colossians six verse one. Matthew eighteen, fifteen. In Colossians 6, verse 1. I'm not going to tell you what those say. You go find it this week. It's easier to judge someone than it is to give grace. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Those are strong words. Nothing. Let nothing come out of our mouths that's tearing another person down. Tell you what, I'm feeling pretty convicted so far. I don't know about you. So I'm going to lay it on a little thicker. I want to read for you five different passages. Five passages. And we'll see what God's Word has to say about this. Matthew 15:11. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. It's coming out of your mouth. It says a lot about who you are. How about this one luke six forty five, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of we read that just a moment ago what is your mouth demonstrating about the attitudes of your heart proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit you love speaking ill, you're gonna keep eating that, right? If you love building others up, you're gonna keep eating that. Are you speaking life or death with your words? Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your words can destroy somebody. Can take the life right out of them like a sword can take the life out of a physical body. Do your words bring healing? Do they give life? Last one, James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I'm not a big fan of that one. I'll tell you that right here. Do you bridle your tongue, or is it running loose, armed and dangerous? If you answer to the negative to any of those questions that I've asked following those verses, then it's time to evaluate how much of the old self is, are you still hanging on to. It's time for you to put off that former way of life, and it needs to be former much sooner than it is later. As long as your words are more discouraging than encouraging tearing others down instead of building others up, rotten and spoiled instead of fresh and nourishing, then your religion is worthless, according to James one twenty six. Your witness is devoid of power, and honestly, according to Scripture, your prayers will be hindered. Psalm 66.18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I read this quote. I like this one. I've heard this one throughout the years, and I was reminded of it this week. It's by Bernard Meltzer, and I'm not sure if I know who he is, but I like what he has to say here. Before you speak, ask yourself if what you're going to say is true, is kind, is necessary, is helpful. If the answer is no, maybe what you're about to say should be left unsaid. Let no unwholesome work. Proceed from your mouth. You never know who's listening to your words. You never know who's around the corner. You never know who's in the other room. You never know who's in the booth behind you. You never know whose life direction could change because you chose in a moment to speak words of encouragement rather than putting someone down. Your words have power. The power to change the momentum of someone's life. I could tell you story after story of people whose encouraging words, uh, whose kindness have aided me in my life, and, and words that have pushed me forward, they've motivated, they've directed me, people who were vital to me being right here today in ministry. I, I love those people. Right, They've had a huge, huge impact on my life. People like Mike DeVito. His kind words, and that was the only one that he he said to me, That was the one that got things started. He's still a mentor in my life and still speaks kindness into my life from time to time. It's people like that that I'm here today. And you have the same opportunity each and every day to have that type of impact on the hearts and the minds of the people around you. You have the same power resting on the tip of your tongue. With great power comes great responsibility, right? That's right. These guys know what I'm talking about over here. (laughs) Let's use that power. And let's take that responsibility for building others up and for encouraging and for giving grace and for benefiting everyone who can hear. Let's pray. Father, I just want just to ask for your forgiveness for the times that I personally have won against even the words that I've spoken here today. I've won against your word when I have Uh, spoken ill of someone or vented out of frustration or given discouraging words to someone who just needed a little bit of building up in that moment. And Father, I pray for all of us here that kind words will be quick to pour from our mouth. And at any time we uh, think a thought or are tempted to say something that does not edify, that does not give grace, that does not build up, Father, help us reel it back in Because, Father, we we see from your word that the words of our mouth are a reflection of our heart. And, Father, you have promised that when we put off that old self and we put on the new, that you're going to give us a new heart. And it's that new heart, Father, from where positive encouragement and and love and grace uh, come from. And that's the type of heart that we desire. And that's the type of heart we ask for right now. In your son's name we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I'd like to issue you a challenge. And I feel like this is, again, an appropriate verse for our topic of discussion. I'd like you to memorize Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. Say it with me, please. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, if we take that message to heart, kindness and love and compassion and grace and mercy is going to drool from our lips. Right. And that's the type of life we want to live is a life defined by those things. Another one. Second challenge. Pretty simple. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth this week. Okay, Take it as a challenge. I'm not going to say. A negative, destructive thing about another person this week. It's going to be difficult. Okay. Maybe you're just a positive person and you never say anything bad about anybody. Praise God, right? The rest of us, we struggle with it. So what are we going to do this week? Watch your mouth. We're going to honor God as we do it. Well, now we have an opportunity to to respond to uh, to these words from God's word. We have an opportunity to confess the sins of our heart. We have an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and we're guaranteed in Christ as we ask for for that forgiveness that he will be faithful and just and forgive us of our sins. Praise God. We have that opportunity each and every moment of every day. But now is a great time as we sing these words of this next song to do just that. And if you have never experienced that new self and you desire to know what that's like, to take off that old way, that old uh, habits, those old uh, ruts that we're stuck in of living, and you want to put on that new self, I'd invite you to come on down as we sing this song.